You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Hey, we're beginning a new series today called Keys to Powerful Prayer. And I believe this is something that the Lord wants us to get a hold of here in the beginning of 2024. By the way, uh, I'm sure somebody has told you by now, but Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. I know we're, you know, a few days already into it, but uh, I believe this is something that the Lord has laid on my heart that we need the spiritual discipline of prayer in our lives. And so we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks about how to develop your prayer life, how to spend time in prayer. We're going to talk about how God responds to our prayers and, and it's going to be an exciting time. So I hope that you'll join with me. And in case you need them, the notes are all for you on the website. You can download them absolutely free. Just go to our website, springhill.cc and download the notes there and, and you can study them out for yourself later on. And, and listen, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The implication is, is that it's hearing in a continual sense. So I want to encourage you, don't just listen to this one time and think that you've got it. None of us get it that quickly. And so you need to study it. You need to listen to it again and get these truths down in your heart. Now there's a scripture found in James chapter five, verse 16, that we're going to use as the foundation scripture for this particular series. And in the new King James, it says this, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I want to just maybe kind of back into it just a little bit and let you know you are, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ in the sense that you've been born again, you're giving your heart to him, then you are righteous in God's eyes. He sees you as righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, don't let that be a hindrance to you. You are a righteous person. So it says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me read some other translations to you. The Amplified Bible in that last part of verse 16 says this, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The easy to read version says Any who, anyone who lives the way God wants can pray and great things will happen. I like that. The Message Bible says the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. And then the Passion Translation lastly says for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. And here's what I do know, is that in the day and the time that we're living and with culture and everything that's going on around us in the world, we need a strong 
prayer life. And I'm not just talking about something that we do religiously every day. I'm talking about something that is vital to our Christian growth and is vital to our relationship with God. See, there's a key to living and functioning in the power of God that most of us haven't yet tapped into in its fullness, and that is heartfelt, fervent prayer. And so I believe that that prayer opens the door for us to be able to tap into the power of God that he has available for each and every one of us. And so my heart's desire for my life, and I pray this for you as well, is that you won't go through the entire year of 2024 in your own strength and in your own ability, that you will learn how to trust in God and the help and the power of the Holy Spirit and tap into that through your prayer life. I want, by the time we get to the end of this year, I want your prayer life to be on a whole nother level. Jesus taught on prayer quite a bit in his earthly ministry. In Luke chapter 18 and verse one, Jesus said this, then he spoke a parable to them that men all, always to pray and not lose heart. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The, the New Living says not give up or quit or get weary. And so why would Jesus tell us to do something and, and especially use the phrase always, why would he tell us to always pray if prayer doesn't do anything, if prayer doesn't work, if prayer does not uh, provide something for us as believers? And then why would he tell us not to lose heart or get discouraged when we're praying for something? And I believe the reason being is, is that there, he knew there was a great possibility that we would let a, a strong prayer life fall down in our priority list. In other words, it wouldn't be one thing that we pursue after a great deal. And then if we do try and develop a prayer life, we get discouraged and, and when we're praying for something. And so a lot of contributing factors to that. Why did Jesus spend time in prayer? You know, we have instances all throughout the gospels of Jesus ministry where many times in the night he would go and spend time in prayer or even during the day he would go off by himself and he would spend time in prayer and so was it just to be an example for us and and that's part of it I'm glad that he is a great example for us but I believe personally that the reason Jesus spent so much time in prayer was because he needed to pray. Not just wanted to, but he needed to pray. Let me read a scripture to you from the Passion Translation of Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says this, that instead Jesus emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant like you and me. He became human, the scripture says. Verse eight, he humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. See, Jesus laid aside all of his divinity when he came into the earth. 
we just got through celebrating Christmas. And, and when he was born, he was born as a human being. Now he was conceived by God. So therefore he was a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man, but he laid aside everything about him that made him divine in the sense of being the second member of the Trinity. And so Jesus did not have some type of secret, hidden spiritual resources that you and I don't have access to. So Jesus developed a prayer life in his life. He spent time in prayer because he knew the necessity of it in being successful in ministry, being able to walk the life that God wanted him to live and to be able to fulfill the will, plan and purpose of God. So Jesus needed to commune and fellowship with his father. Now, let me ask you a question. Just use your head with me for just a moment. If Jesus, when he was on this earth, needed to pray, do you think there's a possibility that we need to pray too? Well, of course we do. And so we're, that's one of the reasons that we're, we're talking about these things. Now, I want to talk about three contributing factors that I believe probably uh, have a, an impact and hinder us in our prayer life and, uh, you know, keep us from praying more. Here's the first one, complacency. You know, complacency is something that is part of human nature. We all fall into it. It's a false sense of security. It's, it's a sense of, uh, of just being lulled into this place where we're kind of halfway spiritually asleep when, you know, we're not really uh, moving forward or pressing or doing what we need to do spiritually. We're just kind of coasting, so to speak. And uh, a lot of it has to be where we, situations and circumstances that are going on in our lives, we accept those things and they just become normal to us and we tolerate them when they are things that we don't need to tolerate. They are circumstances that we don't have to put up with. And so we just grow complacent with those things. And that keeps us from entering into a, a deeper prayer life. You know, here's the second thing, unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from having a strong, effective prayer life. And I can just summarize it in one phrase. We, we get lulled into unbelief because deep down in our hearts, we really don't believe things are happening, that God is responding when we do pray. And I can assure you that when you do pray, especially as we said in James 5, 16, that heartfelt, fervent prayer, I can promise you that things are happening in response to your prayer, that God is, is moving, heaven is responding to your prayer. The third reason that we don't pray like we should is, is discouragement. You know, and we all have opportunities to get discouraged and, you know, perhaps you prayed for something and it didn't happen. It didn't uh, end up the way that you had hoped that it would. We get discouraged for that. Or maybe it seems as though you've been praying about a situation and God hasn't heard you or there's nothing changing. The circumstances aren't changing. And, and we'll talk about some of that later on, but there's opportunities there for us to get discouraged. And when you're discouraged, you kind of have an attitude of what's the use? I, I don't see anything happening. And so complacency, unbelief, and discouragement are three key reasons why we don't pray as we should or reasons or things that can trip us up in our prayer lives. 
Now, I want to talk about two attributes or characteristics of God that if not understood correctly will also negatively impact your prayer life. And, and, you know, I will tell you something. The enemy is so subtle that he has twisted these two characteristics of God in the, the minds and hearts of people uh, in order to keep them from spending time in prayer or having a strong prayer life or really hindering their relationship with God altogether. The first thing characteristic that we have a tendency to misunderstand is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Well, maybe you've heard, uh, you know, some things about the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. It means that he is the supreme ruler of the universe. There is nobody higher. There is no one greater than our heavenly father. He is the sovereign. He is sovereign. Now, where the, the perversion in that has come in is Satan has twisted it to get Christians to believe that because God is sovereign, that he controls everything. There's nothing that happens in the universe, good, bad, or indifferent, that does not happen at the will of God or because he allows it. And that God is going to do whatever he wants to do and God's will is going to happen no matter uh, what we do. You know, if we head in this direction, God's will uh, will meet us. And that was the God, God's will for our life in that particular situation. Well, it may not be God's will for your life in that particular situation. And so, you know, we say things like, well, you know, the Bible says God will meet my needs. And so if it's his will, he'll just meet them. And uh, so if my needs aren't being met, if my body is not healed, if my family is not restored and brought back together and my marriage is going well, then we just believe and write it off to, well, maybe that wasn't the will of God. Maybe I missed God when I married that person, or maybe it's not God's will for me to have those close relationships, whatever the case might be. And so that's where we have confused the, the principle or, or the characteristic of God called the sovereignty of God. You know, matter of fact, Matthew chapter six and verse eight says this, therefore do not be like them for your father, this is Jesus speaking, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Now, granted, God is powerful enough that he knows it all. The Bible says that he's omniscient. He knows everything. And so what some people do is they take it because God knows everything. If, if he knows I need help in this certain area and uh, if it's his will, he'll help me. Well, notice what Jesus said, you know, like I always tell our folks in Bible study, pay attention to the details. It says, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. He knows what you have need of but he still wants you to ask him in prayer to meet the needs, heal your body, whatever the situation might be, he still wants you to ask him. Now we're gonna talk about this more down the road, but what you do when you ask him is you give him permission to step into that situation to be able to help you. You know, let me give you another example. 
Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is not the will of God that any man, woman, boy, or girl leave this earth and step over into eternity without him and being saved, being born again, and experiencing, experiencing an eternity with him. But you and I both know that there, unfortunately and sadly, there are people that leave this earth every day without a relationship with Jesus and step over into eternity, eternally separated from God. And that is not the will of God. And so if it is God's will for, for people not to perish, for people to come to the truth, to receive the gospel, then does that automatically mean everybody's going to heaven? that uh, it's going to come to pass because he's sovereign and that's his will and that's what he wants? No, we clearly know the Bible does not teach that. And so in his sovereignty, God decided to give man a free will. Uh, the fancy way of saying it is a free moral agency. In other words, we have the right to choose our own eternal destiny. We can choose to have a uh, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, or we can choose to step over into eternity separated from God. You know, I heard something recently that I really liked. You know, people will often ask the question, well, why does such a good loving God send people to hell? Well, one thing you need to understand about the what the Bible teaches is that every human being born into this planet is on their way to hell. And what God did through Jesus, he made a way of escape. He gave us an alternative. And so God doesn't send anybody to hell because of man's sin. Man is eternally destined to go there, but Jesus paved the way for us not to have to go there and we could have a relationship with God through him. Now he did that in his sovereignty. He gave us the right and the privilege to be able to choose him and to choose his way of life. Now, here's what God is after in his sovereignty. He is after and looking for someone to cooperate with him, to work with him. See, God has a great plan for our lives, but we in our decisions determine whether we experience that plan or not. So what he's done is he's given us the ability and the privilege to pray. And if we pray, he is going to move on our behalf, but he's put it into our hands. He gave the stewardship of our lives to us. And so we have the right to be able to choose. You no, know, God will respect your right and allow you to choose to, to go in a different direction than him and to spend an eternity in hell separated from him. And so the reason for God's sovereignty is prayer, meaning that God wants to team up with us. He, he wants to uh, get our wills aligned with his so we can see the will, plan, and purpose of God come to pass in the earth. You know, why would Jesus pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six? He instructed the disciples to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He told us to pray that. And so the implication of that is 
that God's will won't necessarily come to pass in our lives unless we pray and we ask him and give him permission to be able to cause his will to come to pass in our lives. So that's the sovereignty of God. And we need to rightly understand that truth and that characteristic about God. The second characteristic about God that often gets misunderstood is this, the immutability of God. Malachi chapter three, verse six says in, in the, the living Bible, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you are not already utterly destroyed for my mercy endures forever. You need to understand God never changes. His character never changes. He is not wishy-washy in his uh, uh, characteristics or uh, his mode of operation. But what we do see in the Bible periodically is that because of the characteristics of God, particularly one called being just and right, uh, because of that characteristic, it, it, it forces him to have to move in a certain direction. But the Bible says that because human beings prayed, he changed his mind and did not carry out what was already decided. You know, um, I'm reminded about the cases where Moses prayed for the children of Israel and God had, had determined, he, he told Moses one time, he said, move out of the way, let me wipe these people out. They're stubborn, they're hard-hearted, they're rebellious, and uh, let me start over and just create a nation out of you. And uh, the Bible says that Moses prayed, he interceded on behalf of the people, and the Bible says God changed his mind. Isn't that remarkable? Because a man prayed, the creator of the universe changed his mind. He changed his plans and he didn't go in the direction that he had originally planned and instead was merciful and grace, gracious to the children of Israel. Now he didn't lie. He said, this is what I'm going to do, but he changed his mind. You know, I'm also reminded of the story of Jonah. You know, you're familiar with the story of Jonah and the whale. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you remember the background, God had, had spoken to Jonah to go and preach the gospel, the good news at the time, uh, to, uh, the, the city of Nineveh so that they could repent and God could spare them from judgment. You know, if God was just bent on destroying the Ninevites, why did he ever call Joshua, or excuse me, Jonah to go and, and minister to them, to go and preach the goodness of God to them, to give them an opportunity to repent because he really didn't want to destroy them, but his righteousness or his judgment, the justice side of God was demanding that that happen. But what he's looking for is if someone will obey and someone will pray then God will be able to pour out some other characteristics of his, of his personality, and that is his mercy, his goodness, and his graciousness towards humanity. And so, as you know, after Jonah uh, repented and, and got spit out of the whale and went into Nineveh, preached to them, and thank God they repented, and uh, God was able to spare them, and many of them came to a relationship with Jehovah, even in the Old Testament. 
And so it was a remarkable occasion and an occurrence where God didn't change, but he changed his mind and what he had planned to do and was able to pour out goodness and mercy and grace on the people. And so what I want you to see is, is that, that even though God doesn't change, there are some things that are set in motion that we may be able to, through our prayers, to pray and intercede for people and, and either delay or stop some things from happening in the course of human events. And so I firmly believe that. And so that God is just looking for opportunities. You know, I heard somebody say one time, if you'll crack the door this much, God will step through it with his mercy and his grace and his compassion towards people. And that's what he's desiring to do. He's just looking for somebody, the scripture says, to stand in the gap, to intercede and to pray so that so that he doesn't have to follow through with what justice is demanding. So, I want you to understand that God's will for 2024 is to bless and prosper you. I want to say that again. God's will for your life, for your family, for your household in 2024 is to bless and prosper you, but it will not happen if you don't pray, if you don't spend time uh, speaking the word of God, giving God an opportunity to move in your life, confessing the word to him, thanking him and praising him and worshiping him and, and uh, just getting involved in prayer in a great way. None of those things are going to happen. As I said to you in the beginning, just because it's the will of God for your life to prosper and for you to walk in the blessing of God in this year does not mean it will automatically happen. It happens because we pursue after it and, and God's word, and then we spend time in prayer. <clears throat> I heard it said this way, and it would do you good to remember this. Your prayers are the pipeline from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. Your prayers are the pipeline from earth to heaven and heaven to earth. It's what opens the door for God to be able to move not only in your life, but in the lives of your family, the lives of your coworkers, the lives of people around you. Prayer is what opens the door and, and connects that pipeline, if you will, for God to be able to move. And I can't emphasize this enough. I think we so totally underestimate how much God desires to move in the lives of people and how much he wants to be good to people, how much he wants to show his mercy. That's what Jesus went to the cross and that's what it was all about. Now, there is a justice side of God, and, and uh, that will be evident later on in further dispensations. But in the dispensation of grace and the church age that we're living in right now, God is longing. The Bible says in the book of James that he's like a gardener. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to be harvested, and then the end will come. And so all of this is going to happen through prayer. So I really want to encourage you this year, you know, just make a decision. Uh, 
that, that you are going to do everything you can to develop a strong prayer life in your relationship with God. And again, I'm not talking about some type of religious formula or act or anything. We'll, we'll get into all of that. But I want you to make a commitment that today, on January the 7th, 2024, I will begin a, a new level of prayer in my life. And my relationship with God is going to go further than this year than I could have possibly imagined. And I believe that that's going to start with you having a strong prayer life. Do you receive this today? I know you do. I love you and appreciate you. Let me close it in prayer. Father, thank you so much for my precious friends and, and family. Thank you, Lord, for the truths of your word that you've made available to us. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the privilege that we have of prayer, to be able to fellowship and commune with you in prayer and to spend time with you and to see you, to allow you to be able to move in our lives the way that you do. I thank you for it. And Father, I pray for every single person right here that's watching this video, that Lord, in the name of Jesus, if there's someone that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, that you would draw them by the precious Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that they would desire and hunger after you. And I thank you that you will meet them exactly wherever they are, wherever they may be watching this. And you will meet them and answer them. And Father, they can begin a new life in you, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> now, if that's you today and you don't know where your relationship with, with the Lord stands, I want to tell you, by the time in just about three minutes, you can know that you are a child of God, that your sins are forgiven, you're washed in the blood of Jesus, and that if your heart was to stop beating a few moments from now, you would spend an eternity with him in heaven. It's as simple as you praying a simple prayer. Now listen, Jesus did all the work on the cross. He shed his blood, he paid the price for you and me so that we could be forgiven and that we could have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And all we have to do is receive the free gift of God's grace and his forgiveness. And the way that we do that is by just opening our heart and believing and praying and, and inviting Jesus to come in. You can pray just a simple prayer like this. Matter of fact, just say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for me. I believe with all my heart that he was raised from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I repent of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Make me clean and holy. Give me a new beginning. Forgive me of my past and give me a brand new start. Now fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for it. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm clean and I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, here's what we believe. You just got born again. Your sins have been forgiven. Your past has been washed away and you've got a brand new start 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's wonderful. And we celebrate that with you. Matter of fact, not only we celebrate it, but the Bible says, Jesus said, heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And that's so awesome. And so we believe that heaven is celebrating right now because of the prayer that you prayed. And listen, I want to join with you. Would you do me a favor? Would you just send me a quick email? Doesn't have to be anything elaborate, just one sentence to say, I gave my heart to Jesus today and uh, I got born again. And you can send that to this email address, my story, one word, M-Y-S-T-O-R-Y at springhill.cc. We'd love to celebrate with you. And, and I'd love to point you into the direction of, of some materials and things that we have available that could get you started in your walk and your relationship with the Lord. But we love you so much. We, we're so proud of you and, and just join with you in the new life that you have just entered into through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.